Everyone, you are listening to New Slang. I am Thomas Mooney, your host, and this is episode 86, where I am joined by Texas songwriter Zach Nightom. I was thinking back to when Zach and I recorded this. It was a Friday evening, and I'll never forget that because that afternoon was when South by Southwest announced that they would be canceling for the first time due to concerns about the coronavirus. There was this kind of a strangeness in the air. A part of you is obviously shocked over the news. But it's also because uh, we all weren't really sure on how things were going to be going for the next couple of weeks. We had spoke about this while they were loading in, and it's just kind of strange to think how naive we all were at that moment. And still, like despite being so unsure how things were going to be going the next couple of weeks, I think back and we were all kind of really ridiculously optimistic at the same time. Uh, like there was this thought about how like if we would just close the country down for a couple of weeks it would more or less curb the coronavirus from spreading and of course two months later we are still in the midst of this quarantine Uh, this happened to also be like the last live show I saw too which is incredibly surreal because literally a week later I would wind up having COVID-19 myself Um, granted it, it wasn't until three or four days later where I started to feel those initial symptoms. Anyway, I don't really want to talk about all that again. If you want to read about my COVID-19 experience, though, I did write an essay of sorts that's over on Medium. I will throw a link into the show notes if you want to give that a read. So Zach released his second full-length record last year. It's called New York to Montana. He recorded it with Timothy Allen, who you may know as the former guitarist of Shane Smith and the Saints and his current band, Brother Band, which, as you'd probably guess, is a project with his brother Nathan, which they just recently released a new record to. It's called Volume 1. I highly recommend checking it out. So Tim has been doing a lot of fine work as a producer and a guitarist the last couple of years. Brother Band, Comanche Moon, Cody Sparks. Obviously, he was an instrumental cog in the last few records by Shane Smith and the Saints, and of course, this record right here by Zach. I think so much of New York to Montana's strength comes from that back and forth between Zach and Tim. They obviously have like a a real deep connection on what kind of music they both like and what they want to make. And it's very progressive in a lot of ways. Uh, There's still, though, a lot of the, the great pop sense on this record. It comes in a lot of ways as well. Uh, on something like Interstellar, it's effectively simple. Uh, it's obviously an infectious melody and chorus. And there's that touch of that atmospheric post-rock to give it a spacey vibe. But then like on something like Seven Day Bender or Disappearance by Design, you feel that wide openness. You feel that space, but there's also a lot of textured elements on those songs. And then of course on songs like One, Two, Three or alcohol there's even a a little bit of this like smooth jazz element and then even on like the longest song the title track new york to montana it's a storyteller song but the the chorus rhythms are as strong as ever on that and so like a lot of these songs are are they revolve around those really strong infectious chorus melodies there's a smooth raspiness to zach's voice there's a lot of soulfulness mixed in in there as well And I think that really bleeds into how this record is supposed to sound, the sonic qualities of New York to Montana. At times, it's very clean and polished and light, 
But then there's also like this thickness that creeps in on songs like Robert Jenkins and even Disappearance by Design or the punk-edged song Sober. Anyway, I highly recommend checking out Zach's New York to Montana if you haven't just yet. As always, please subscribe to New Slang on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you may get your podcasts. Give New Slang a like on Facebook. Follow me, Thomas Mooney, on Twitter at underscore New Slang. It's also that on Instagram. Give the podcast a five-star review if you haven't done so already. Okay, here is Zach Nighton. We've, uh, I feel like we've been trying to do this podcast for like a couple years now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the first time it was just, uh, too busy of a fucking weekend. Yeah. And then maybe a and few then, drinks yeah. the night before. And that was, uh, you guys were opening for red back to back nights. That's here. right. Yeah. That was and last year or two years ago now. It feels like yesterday, but yeah, that was a fun I feel like it was yeah. like split the difference. Like I, I was so exhausted years. after that, that weekend back to back nights at blue light is, uh, it can put some hell and, and damage on your liver, for sure. Yeah. Those apple burners, man, <laughs> get the best of you. That they do. And then I, I feel like you guys have been back a few other times, and it's been either I've been out of town or too busy to do something, or we finally sit down. It's and, great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, man, I'm, I'm honored and, and humbled to be here, man. It's great. It's, let's have some fun with it. Yeah. Well, obviously, the record came out last year. Yeah, a year ago and one day. One, yeah. yeah, so it's it's a year old. Well, shit, I didn't, March know, 5th, I didn't yeah. know it was like that specific. Yeah, but one year old. Um, obviously, like one of the cool things with this record is there's like the book attached to it. Yeah. How, how did uh, how did all that go down? How did you guys get approached about a book and? Whatnot? Well, it all started with um, I w- I've been doing a, a faith-based non uh, nonprofit organization called Trinity Oaks, based out of San Antonio, and that's where we get the. Uh, the youth of the fallen and, and uh, wounded veterans, and we take them in outdoors and, and fishing and and, uh, and get them introduced to that side of things. And so I was out in uh, South Texas on a place called uh, the Cage Ranch, and I met a guy named Tom Shepard, which Tom Shepard is a great singer-songwriter. Uh, he wrote Redneck Yacht Club. He wrote um, Riding with Private Malone for David Ball. And so, you know, I knew at the kind of caliber um, of a writer that Tom was. So whenever I went up and introduced myself to Tom, I was like, hey, Tom, my name's Zach Nighton, like New York to Montana, abbreviated. And he just had this, he immediately just stopped what we were doing, and he's like, come with me real quick to the to the cabin. We need to, we need to write something. And I was like, let's do it. So we ventured off into this songwriting idea about a man that was working for the mob, or, you know, kind of laundering money for this New Jersey mob, but he was also working in the World Trade Centers. And so on September 11th of 2001, when he was running late for work, he saw the towers fall. And he was like, this is my perfect time to, everyone thinks I'm dead. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm gonna take this opportunity and, and escape this lifestyle because the mob would have had a price on my head anyway. So he had, he had ventured off from New York to Montana and, and in depth of the, of the song, uh, we, we had a big shootout at the very end. He learned how to be a rancher in Montana and learn how to shoot a gun. And, and so we finished the song and we recorded it about oh, a year and a half ago and we recorded it and didn't that real-time audio and and it, about a month later after we had released this song Tom was up in Idaho and met this author named Dan Sullivan and Dan had heard Tom sing this tune and after the show he asked Tom permission you know hey do you mind if I I'm looking for another idea a novel to write and this one just seems to, to fit 
and it's so interesting and intriguing. And so Tom was like, absolutely, let me call my buddy Zach. And, and uh, when I heard the news about Dan Sullivan wanting to hop on this idea of writing a novel uh, based off the song that we wrote, it was just, it was automatic. It was like, absolutely, let's, let's dive into this side of things. And it, been, it was about two months or so with Dan emailing me and Tom back and forth, you know, getting ideas and, and talk about a transition from a songwriter. You have to get everything in less than three minutes of a story, which this song is like six minutes. Yeah. But uh, you had to get all this detail in. But then for an author to come in and say, well, let's, let's describe every character. There's no time limit or any limit of paragraphs or words. It's just let's get the story out and, and describe it as well as we can. And so I learned a lot just from, you know, <clears throat> as a writer to go through and, and see the process, how different it is from a songwriting perspective and, and an author. And so we released that book and uh, along with the album last year. And um, our next step is hopefully we can make a Netflix series out of it or something, kind of like an Ozark yeah. or Yellowstone kind of deal. Yeah, and that'd so, be cool. Yeah, it'd be really sweet. So then we'll dive into that other side of This episode is sponsored by Smith Iron and Design. It's owned and operated by one of my good friends, Aaron Smith, and his dad, Sonny. As the name implies, Smith Iron and Design specializes in creating custom metal and woodwork. They have a vast array of metal signs that are perfect wall decor that'll tie our room together. They design everything from welcome signs to family crests, flags and Texas cutouts. They have a series of these metal wreaths that are perfect for your front door, and you are able to change them out depending on the season. Are you a sports fan? Well, there's nothing better than having a giant logo of your team on the wall of your den or office. When it comes to signage, the possibilities are really endless. What you should really do, though, is head over to smithironanddesign.com to get a look at their vast portfolio. That's smithironanddesign.com. I'll throw a link into the show notes as well. They don't just do signs either. Some of the smaller items are custom bottle openers and keychains. Then they also have bookshelves, TV stands, nightstands, and fire pits. You know, it was about a year ago, Aaron built me a custom shelf. I needed something new to store some of my vinyl and everything I had come across. Either the shelves weren't big enough for LPs, or it looked too bland or cheaply made, or, to be perfectly honest, too expensive. So I wound up talking with Aaron, and about a week later, I was able to pick up this custom shelf unit that's just been amazing. It's incredibly sturdy, has a bit of a rustic feel. In my opinion, one of the best parts was just having so much control in the process. You can get them as tall as you want with the shelves at the perfect depth and length. Again, for me, this was for storing vinyl, so they had to be a certain height and depth. I've been thinking about getting a custom bookshelf companion piece soon as well. Now, for the most part, they primarily serve the Lubbock area and the South Plains, but for some of their smaller pieces, they're able to ship nationwide as well. Again, smithironanddesign.com. Now, back to the show. Where did we leave off at? Where were we at? You, that's what I was going to say. Um, the book, the, the coming of the book together, all that stuff. Um, yeah, you, okay, so you had mentioned you know, the next step. You, you kind of want to try and do something like Netflix or... Yeah, dive into that a little scene. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's always just been a thought and, and, and um, something to just kind of dive into another side of, of, uh, 
of film and just you know yeah. music and and film go hand in hand and and I would like to know more about that side of things and and you know introduce myself to as many producers as I can to just get the story out and and see what happens uh, so it's still brand new it's just a year but I think the story itself could really last a while I mean with the novel and and itself so I mean if we can dive in and and uh, make a Netflix series out of that I think that'd be really cool yeah it's interesting to talk with songwriters who um some some people like don't think about their songs or the characters in a song um, like past that like five minutes or whatever we're talking about, you know, yeah. of, of the whatever the length of the song is. And then other people think about like those characters, what are they doing outside that song? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I've talked with some people, they're like, no, I've not really ever thought about like who this person is yeah. past this song or like yeah. before the song. Who was this person before the song? But sometimes you can get obsessed about like a certain kind of character in a song and and do this whole thing. Totally. Like, uh, there's plenty of songs that I go like, man, that would be a a movie or you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that'd be cool to see it. Absolutely. I'm 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 Press I'm thrilled. Forward. I'm excited to see what can happen. And like I said, it was just such a it was a learning process of just getting to you know talk with Dan Sullivan, uh, the author of New York's Montana, along with Tom Shepard and myself, and and just to see that there is no boundaries, there's no limits. And, and you have to really get to the reader of who these characters are and, and make them know, you know, like they would have a handshake with them in, in real life. So yeah. it was such a it was such a learning experience for sure. And, and hopefully maybe me and Tom can get together again and write, come up with another false yeah. narrative and, and uh, make another story. What did you has it made you overthink characters like what this who these people are uh, or not necessarily overthink, but like. You're obviously thinking about these characters Absolutely. more than any other song. I, I would always think like it would be cool to have a prequel of like maybe the the New Jersey mob mm-hmm. and see their side of the story as well. So you can branch off of that and go into their side and how they got hooked up, you know, with the main the main character in the story and and uh, and with Jody, his wife, where mm-hmm. they tapped the phone lines and and had a huge uh, shootout in Montana. They were trailing her from. New York to Montana, and and so I, I think it'd be cool to just drift off and see what the the mob has, you know, right on their side, because yeah. we didn't really dive into much of the mob; they were just the bad guys. Yeah, the proverbial bad guys. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, but I don't. It, it is interesting to see like a character being. You're really like because I think a lot of times, if you only got like five minutes, like you're saying, to to dive into a character, there's only so many things you can, so much character development yep. you can have, and you've obviously had to like think about the, the the little things that maybe the details that wouldn't get put into a song. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's it's such a, uh, I don't know. Like like I said, like you can kind of get obsessive about. This oh, this song was like 12 movie. minutes long before we even decided to go and and I mean we're flowing, we're flowing, and then you look back and you're like, oh my god, we have to freaking, we have to, holy shit, we have to edit this, this you yeah. know? And so it, it turned into being like a 12 minute deal, and we did had to go those, through. Did you send like that version to to the writer? Who's what's the writer's name again? Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan. And uh, we did actually. We sent him. A lot of our roughs and we um, everything that we had, just our ideas and and how it even got formulated into being the song itself. So it was just a lot more, you know, 
you could probably dive into as, as an author to grab a hold of another side that we had brought up, but we had to shrink the story down just to make it for the listeners, you know, they're not mm-hmm. listening to an hour-long song. Yeah. You know, I'm not Robert O'Keen here, but... <laughs> <laughs> Choctaw Bingo. Yeah. James McMurtry. Right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There's always a story about, like, how Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah has, like, just endless amounts of, of verses totally. that have just never been used because he was never... Um, fully satisfied with the, that final, ver- whatever his final version was. And he right. still, to his dying day, was just kind of like not sure what to, yep. how this song was supposed to be, you know. Um, I was going to say that, like, I was going to ask, uh, had had you been holding on to, like, the, the New York to Montana, like, as a idea for a song for it a was. while? Or is was that has that just been something you've always kind of held on to to, Tell people how to like pronounce your name. It, it was really just the thought of how to spell my last name because everywhere on the marquee it was just, you know, br- it was just brutal. You right. know how they and it's and it's funny nowadays. I go in and now it's my first name that's misspelled and now because everyone <laughs> knows New York to Montana, so they're spelling it right. But now my first name's misspelled. But it was really a thought. My dad had come up to me years before and was like, "Hey," and my dad actually came up with the New York to Montana abbreviated for my last name. N-Y-T-O-M-T. And uh, he came up to me. He's like, hey, man, you should probably start telling people you know, on emails, you know, hey, it's Zach Nighthawk with New York to Montana abbreviated. And so that's whenever I went up. And I started telling people that, like, when I introduced mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, I'm Zach Nighthawk, like, New York to Montana abbreviated. And that's when Tom Shepard just said, oh, hold hold that thought. Yeah. You know, and drug me into that cabin down South Texas. And we just got busy on that idea of let's let's write this crazy story and and see where it goes. Yeah. The uh, that record, you guys really do a lot of uh, going out into like different directions of sound. Like there's a lot of experimentation that your typical quote unquote Texas songwriter, singer songwriter would not it would be a, uh, apprehensive to go down. You know what I mean? There's some like jazzy kind of pop stuff for sure. And, um, was it just one of those things where you guys were just you know, you know what? Try I was, anything. I was so stuck on this album uh, by Iron and Wine called Ghost on Ghost. And uh, it's, it's just extremely artistic uh, album that they came out with. And then I was also head, I just dove head first into Wilco and was just obsessed with their tones and, that, and their experiments in the studio. Now, I, you know, I, I dove in with Tim Allen, the producer of uh, New York's Montana, and we dove in with just so no limits. You know, let's just experiment and and uh, by the time everything came together, I was like, yeah, I'm happy with this. I like how weird it is. And, and that's what I wanted to put out was just something weird and artistic. And, and everything is just all over the place. But, um, yeah, it was, it was really, I would have to blame Iron and Wine and Wilco for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But see, like, I, I like the, um, a lot of people can complain about a record being too sprawling in, in, in a sonic direction. But I think sometimes... Uh, what you do is like you go as far as you can and then like that next record you rein it in because you know like with with that setting in for like it's been a year you right. probably know like this next record I want to go more into this you know what I mean for like sure. it, it kind of gives you the uh you know you you throw up the paint yep. all over the walls and you see what sticks and you realize like oh that's actually this is 
more what I want to go towards or for sure what are the cases yeah exactly and that's kind of how I looked at it I was like you know Bob Ross I would watch Bob Ross all the time growing up my mom would like <laughs> I have a twin brother and for our nap time she would turn on Bob Ross yeah and we watching it I was always it's always funny to me how he would be like this is a beautiful mistake but right. let's make that mistake into a beautiful tree <laughs> it's like holy yeah. shit let's uh let's make this album kind of like that and dive into it let's see our limits of how artistic we can be and and then formulate you know dive in of kind of a general direction of where we want to go for the next album and and that's really i'm thinking for this next album just be a little more poppy with electronic southern integrity with it yeah 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 um i guess like when i first heard you like the first two songs i had heard was the robert Jen- jenkins and then i had heard interstellar and i just kind of got hooked on interstellar i thought that was such a just well first off just fucking catch your well thank you shit you yeah. know like it, you kind of get that Melody stuck in your head. Yep. Um, where did where I guess like where 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 did that song come from? What's the it was origins? Uh, it all started. I was I was going through like a really weird breakup, and uh, we were it was kind of the first girlfriend I had where we lived together, growing up. And I remember sitting on my couch while she's in the kitchen just cleaning dishes. You know how that that sound is. It's like the most irrit- irritable sound ever. And uh, <laughs> she's packing up boxes. And uh, it was such a weird feeling, you know, knowing that you guys are splitting up and, and you're packing these boxes. So I sat down and, and I just wrote this line with this melody that I already had. And uh, I was just like, you know what I'm thinking about? Why don't we just go mess around and forget about our worries? Because there's nothing to worry about. And uh, I, I took that idea and, and kind of ran with it. And I had a buddy of mine named Brett Hauser, a great songwriter, um, that uh, came over and, and sh- I showed him the melody in the first bits of the of the verses that I had and we immediately knew the idea and the direction we wanted to go was let's be metaphorical here and make this song about having making love in outer space. Yeah. And so we kind of drifted from this sad idea of like, this is upset, you know, came up with that idea of her leaving and, you know, forget our worries. But then we made it into like a happy little kind of like a love song, but fantasizing a little bit. And so, yeah, it made it interesting. It was, it was a lot of fun writing it. And then in the studio, it just came to life. You know, it was just, it was just an acoustic song. And then I remember that feeling looking over at Tim Allen in the studio booth and we're all playing live. And it was just right when we had that feeling, we all looked at each other and just started laughing. You yeah. know, so it was just those are those kind of golden moments you want to capture in a studio and in a, in a song as well. Yeah. That's, there is that that crest that you guys kind of like it builds up to that point and then it, yeah. you just kind of ride it for a while. Yeah. Um, what I always thinks incredible about like those kind of moments in songs is that if you really like timed it or whatever, they're very very short and brief. Yep. But for some reason, they like they they linger in your head and that's what you remember yeah. a lot of about a song. You know, is like uh, it's kind of like if you. You know the, the promise by uh, Sturgill. Oh yeah, right. Yep. You think in that song, probably like what you think about in that song is him like, you know, just belting out the lyrics. But he doesn't do it that long. Yeah. There's so much restraint. You know, I always and, re- and then it goes into that, and whenever it happens, it's just like a brief little moment. I and, love that. Yeah. And that know. reminds me of Creedence Clearwater. You listen to like their albums, and it's only two and a half minutes long except for born on the bayou Mm -hmm. it's like five and a half minutes or something but yeah it's like all these songs are just two and a half minutes get to the point don't bore us get to the chorus and then Mm -hmm. you know on to the next yeah credence man that's like it's it's always uh are they in the rock and roll hall of fame oh i don't i have no idea i don't really keep up with yeah man gosh but they're Uh, 
They're badass. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Well, they they define an era of music, right? Somehow they, in a lot of ways, define Louisiana, even though they're from like Northern California. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like that's that's an incredible idea of a band of like how you can just define an era. You're just like in every fucking Vietnam movie, you right? Know? Golly, no kidding. It's yeah. that's, yeah. It reminds <laughs> me of every time I think of Vietnam, I just have to go back to that scene of Forrest Gump, where he's just carrying out Bubba. Yeah. And he gets bit in the or hit in the ass, and he something bit me. Yeah. And like a bullet came and just shot. <laughs> what a great movie, man. Dude, that movie is um. Like the the funniest, saddest, like just like every yeah. emotion you've ever felt it takes you through all all journeys. Yeah, all journeys. I got a question for you, Thomas. How how long you how many podcasts have you done? Um, I think on officially released have been like sixty something. Wow. Some, no, uh, I don't know. Like um, something like sixty something. Who was the who was like the coolest person you had interviewed? Oh, I don't know if I have like an answer for that. Um, or one of the most interesting. I mean, they've all kind of been inter- interesting. Yeah. Um, I think, like, my favorite one has been with Jack Ingram and Bruce Robinson. I think that was, like, just a uh, – you kind of get out of the way and let them, like, talk. And it's, like, shit, like, they probably have talked about before. But I know that there's moments in there where they're, like, we've actually – we never th- talked about this yeah. together. Um, and sometimes, like, it's it, – I always like. I'll probably say it's interesting too much, just because I can't think of anything else to say <laughs> other than interesting. But um, sometimes, like, you just have to ask the obvious question. Like, it's so obvious. Like, that's what makes it a good question because, like, no one's really asked them that before. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I asked them <laughs> about. But like, even the, I, I think that I asked them like, when did like how did y'all meet? And I'm sure like that was something that. You know, you've been asked a million times how you met this person, but I don't think they really ever fleshed it out. And, like, Jack was talking about how he had sent, like, a, a fucking handwritten letter to, like, Charlie, I think. <laughs> and that's how, like, that was their first initial meeting was because he had heard that first record by Charlie and was, like, had sent him a letter. That, like, that's his ad- address was, like, on the bottom of the record or something like that. That's and badass. that's how they all kind of met was, like, that, you know. That's cool. That's a good example of an obvious question, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's badass. The, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get on the uh, soapbox of how to be a good journalist because I don't think like I'm the greatest journalist. But like, it's one of those. Um, sometimes the the simplest questions the best, but then like there's <laughs> so many fucking bad simple <laughs> questions. You yeah, know, like yeah. Well, how'd you get your band name? Uh, yeah. Who are your top five influences <laughs> right right yeah you know I'm do sure people you get, even care about that anymore you know um my I, my rule of thumb is if you can like a if you can google it if it's if it's been written you don't have to like rewrite that oh yeah you know what i mean nothing's like, new underneath the sun you, you know? know um we can go ahead and just like move on i don't have to like introduce you as a artist yeah, yeah. it's if it's been done before you know what yeah. i mean so why do yeah. you want to hear about that again? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, but. No, I think you've done excellent. I mean, I I remember, what was the, when was the first time I met? It was probably four, four or five years ago. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's been a minute. See, that's a question. How did y'all meet? <laughs> probably at Blue Light, you know, here in Lubbock. Right. Yep. 
And uh, with Charlie Stout, I think he introduced me to you. And um, yeah, and then I, I've always kept up with your articles and, and everything and all the truth. I mean, it just comes out and it's super cool, super awesome. And also including me on that top 50, um, of last, top 50 yeah, albums yeah. of last year, which yeah. is an honor to be a part of. Yeah, well, that's, that's one of those things where um, I try and like write that throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Like trying to keep tabs on it because like if you try and do it, <laughs> the the final week of <laughs> the year, you're overwhelmed and you're like fuck. I don't know what to do. Yeah, um, right. I don't know. Like that's that's. I I uh, I feel like everyone releases like top <laughs> hundred records of <laughs> my favorite hundred and fifty <laughs> records of the yeah. year kind of thing every year, and um, I've thought about like not doing it, but sometimes if I have a lot of the the groundwork already done i'm like i may as well fucking finish it hell yeah yeah amen to that so it's uh i don't ever think like my opinion's more important than anyone else's but if i've i feel like if i've done some of the homework more than other people maybe it can show other people like hey i didn't realize this record came out you know right yeah it's less about the numbers because i like in my intro i always talk about how every uh you should put like a a plus minus of like three and a half on it, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, a yeah. spread because like, you know, next week Someone this record could like rise five points in the exactly, you know, you. Uh, what were your favorite records of the last year? Did you have any that just? And this is I've probably been stuck in 2017 after Ryan Adams came out with his Prisoner album. I I fell in love with that album, and I, honestly, I haven't really been doing a lot of homework on on a lot of new stuff that's been coming out i've just been kind of listening to a lot of levon helms going back and mm-hmm. and uh man he just had some swaggy just badass lyrics and just just a cool factor to him that i you know being on the road with other musicians in the van you get turned on by a lot of other artists so i've just been kind of relying on my band to yeah show me you know songs i've never heard before stuff that they've been working on and and so it's just all over the spectrum really yeah the at, at any point that you think like you understand American music or like pop music in the in the general term of like pop music, you know, um, you realize that there's another rock that you 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 accidentally hit up another rock and like there's just a world totally. of like music that you've not discovered. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, and we just like we live in a great time period where you can you can do that. You know, you can find. Easy. So much new stuff. It's not just like relying on the radio. It's not just relying on your uh, local record. Yeah, uh, and their store. algorithms are so yeah. accurate yeah. when it shows like th- you might enjoy this, and it's like, oh, I'll check it out, and then you're yeah. like, oh, this is groovy, you yeah. know. And so that's I found so many great artists just by doing that. But also with Chris Shane, my my uh, drummer that has been on the road with us for over the year. I mean, he just. He he hit me up with this awesome playlist on Spotify. It's called The Golden Age of Nashville. And it's all the stu- same studio musicians yeah. that have played on, like, you know, Alan Jackson to Garth Brooks to Brooks and Dunn. And, I mean, it just goes on a list of everything and, and maybe 100, 300 songs on there. And it's just all classics of 90s country. Yeah. And so I recommend that to any listener. It's Golden I've Age a, of Nashville. I've got a, a playlist of that I made a while back and it's the it's every top 10 song that hit that charted top 10 on billboard from january of 90 to 
uh, December of 99. Wow. And it's for for me, that's like a uh, a playlist that's more for like, oh, you want to subscribe to it, and you can pick out of that to make your own plays. Nice. Because it is it is like fucking longer than shit. And I've got like an 80s one and a 70s one as well. <laughs> that's but awesome. it's, it is a... Because you forget so many damn songs, mm-hmm. like so. I'm like I'm kind of a, a '90s country connoisseur. It's nice to have that though, like where <laughs> yeah. you can put it in a folder and have it there. Yeah, you know, and like yeah, we are growing it up in a in a hell of a time right now with all of our resources that we can have. It's not like LimeWire anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and, and putting a virus on our parents' computer, dude. Um, one of the things I was thinking about the other day, because everyone goes to Napster as the as the um, I guess the reference for da- illegal downloading, but, <laughs> and then of course, I, yeah, LimeWire was huge, and then um, you could tour in a whole lot of stuff. But like in between those, I feel like uh, was it Mediafire or something like that that was like real big, where you could, it was just like a, I guess it wasn't Fire, it was like Media something, where it was basically just a zip file of whatever record. You know what I'm talking you about? Just download. I've never heard of it. No. Okay. There was a moment, like it was a probably like a couple of years, where um, it would just be a. Uh, it was kind of like a database, I guess, like the same kind of thing, like you would search, but it was online, and you would just search, and then you would find that zip file, and then just download it directly. <laughs> and it, in, in a lot of ways, it's like Dropbox, but yeah, it was like yeah. an open source, I guess. No viruses uh, though. Oh, you could probably get fucking, I don't know. Like, there's, uh, I feel like I'm an Apple guy. Yeah. And I feel like I've not ever had a fucking virus on any of my Macs ever. So, like. Thank God. <laughs> that's Thank one God. of those things where I'm like, once I switched over, that's the. You remember Chat Roulette? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so, about last year, we were playing the show in Sam's Burger Joint in San Antonio. And. Me and some friends were on chat. We were like in eighth grade, ninth grade, or something. And we come across this this girl that was on there, and we just started communicating a little bit. And then once Facebook and MySpace came out, we all, you know, connected through MySpace and then connected through Facebook, and then all that. Well, last year in San Antonio, she comes to a freaking show <laughs> with her parents, and I'm like, holy shit, we met on chat roulette out of all places, and you're fucking here. Yeah, <laughs> like, people, are, people are embarrassed about meeting on Tinder. Imagine, oh, yeah. meeting on chat roulette. <laughs> like, where'd y'all be? Um, just uh, yeah. How do you say that to your kids? Yeah. <laughs> At a pumpkin no patch. To anyone that met Something. on Tinder and you know fell yeah. in love. I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's beautiful. I was gonna say about illegal downloading of music. I don't. Does that do people still download a whole lot of? I just think I think Spotify stuff? is kind of considered illegal in that realm. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you look at the percentages that they they're keeping from the artist itself, I mean, that's right. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. you know, but. Um, I'd have to say that's the new, ki- the new kind of illegal downloading, but yeah. not, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I go both ways on it. We we did tours out on the East Coast, like Georgia and, and out to North Carolina. We had fans that came out that found us just through Spotify off their algorithms, you know, of what right. they enjoy. And, and uh, we got connected through there, and they came out and said they found us through Spotify. So it has its ups and downs for sure. Yeah. The I, just, I don't know if uh, people download off like the pirate bay anymore i don't think that's a thing i don't think so either yeah yeah i wish myspace was still out you know or is it i think it's still around but it's not like a yeah we used to i thought like like, justin timberlake had it 
really? had bought like or had a share of it. Or well, good for like him. That. Fuck. Yeah. Damn. I was trying to bring it back. I don't know. Um, because I downloaded so much illegal music. <laughs> I bet. I <laughs> you bet. You know, like you just like hear about whatever band and like you try and what I was real bad about was uh not bad is um I'm like a I'm like a music hoarder. A hoarder of like what you like, you know. So I've got like just the fucking too much fucking music. Um too many records, too many books. I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh I would always like I always try and complete the discography. That kind of thing. It's like, well actually I only like this one record by insert name of the band, but I have to have all of the records just in case I <laughs> When you put in on a record like a vinyl, do you do you listen to the whole thing? Yeah, I think like a, um, my thing on is on, on vinyl. It's supposed to be a moment. Yeah, like you're supposed to like listen to a, a like a moment of that. If it's on Spotify, if like you're doing stuff around the house, that's like playlist kind of. St- you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and I mean like w- around the house where you're not in the room with the with a record player. You know, if you're driving around, it's hard to like play a fucking record, right? Or a CD. Yeah. Uh, my truck doesn't even have a CD player, so oh, I know it's a shame. Um, Ours doesn't either. It's so I, I just like listen to. We just run off playlists. Bluetooth now. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like I, I think like if I'm driving far, I will. I'll try and uh, play like full length records still. Yeah, I think that's still like a. There's a story always in those records. Yeah, you know the artists always put the time in, in each song and where they're set in the record and there's always those stories, those hidden backstories. You know, like Ryan Bingham always had the like the hidden tracks and all that stuff mm-hmm. that I just fell in love with and you really couldn't ever tell until you listened to his like Mescalito uh record that was just kept spinning and spinning and spinning and then like the head on it on the rail song came on like five minutes later and you're like, Holy shit. Right. And that song is badass, you know. The uh the missing or the, the hidden track is always like I, I guess people don't do that anymore. I like, tried to do it's it. It's hard it, to it didn't like, work. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember whose record was it that had like, like the first like five tracks were like just five second, uh, like of just nothing. I don't. I, there was like I can't remember. Probably who Wilco or something. I don't know who it was, um, but I kind of remember that kind of stuff in the nineties, early Pack. two early two thousands. Yeah, um, the hidden track. I've not thought about that in a while. But what's like the is there anything off the top of your head that you can think of that after the uh, the quote hundredth time you listen to it, you're like, oh fuck, that's now I get that part of that, or you know what I'm saying? Chris Knight always has those songs for me. Mm-hmm. Like he just when you listen to Chris Knight, it's it's almost like listening to Hank Williams. There's always just more, or like Dawes. Dawes is a great example too. And uh, you know, you listen to those songs and they have so much, so like million dollar bill. And I would just put that on repeat, 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 and just hear, di- like, every verse, I just would be astonished by, how did he write that mm-hmm. verse? And then I'd be so focused on that, and then I'd miss, like, all the uh, the rest of the song, because I was so drained on how great of a verse he wrote there. And then, so it took, like, God, over 100 times to just keep listening to that song to just find, you know, those moments, because every word just means something. Right. And uh, that's what I learned from co-writing with a lot of different artists, is just, you know, it's not what you say, but how you say it. Yeah. And, and less is more. 
And so it was always like when we get in rooms, staying up late, me and Marco and and Alden Hedges from American Aquarium and Marco from Dirty River Boys, we stayed up, you know, until seven just pitching ideas off of each other. And sometimes when you're by yourself, you know, you got to swallow your pride for nourishment and realize there's probably a better line. And Gordy Quiz taught me that, too, in Owen Temple. Like, they were like, you know, you flow, you flow, you flow, but go always go back and edit. There's always probably something better if you're by yourself. But when you got co-writers, it's, it yeah. makes it so much more free and easy. Yeah. I always, uh, not that I do any co-writing, but when I'm writing something, I always, like, keep stuff. If, even if it's bad that I know, like, I don't want this, I'll keep it as, like, a as filler. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just to get on to the next thing and then hopefully go back and change it up, you know? Yeah. Um, how much of that do you do? Where it's like a, a, I know I don't want to say this, but let's go ahead and to get on to the next thing. Yeah. I, I was really big into that. I okay. always jumped ahead, but um, some other writers are like, like Brett, Brett Hauser, which I've loved writing with him and still do. And, and uh, he would be like, no, 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 let's stay right here. Don't move forward. Let's stay right here and get the best one and then move forward. And I'm like, oh, man, like, but shit, I want to flow, you know. But there's always – it's just different aspects. But with me, whenever I'm writing by myself, yeah, I just – I literally just flow and flow and flow until I have to go back and and then edit, you know, because your brain is just working. And you don't know if you're going to spit out something that you really enjoy or – and then you can go back and then edit, make it make it, make it make sense, right. you know, because sometimes I can be so out there and, and – you know, say a different phrase here and, and I can get off track easy. But yeah, yeah, it's always nice to just go back after you've been flowing and just go edit your lyrics and and then take a step back and look at it and, and see if it makes sense. You yeah. Know? Well, I know like some people, they don't realize like uh, this line doesn't make sense now because of what we've written and we have to go back and change that or like... Um, I know this sounds this line sounds really really fucking cool, but what does it even mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's like getting over that um, the pride of like taking that line away or taking part of that line away to make it make sense. Yeah, and that's a, and, and that's another thing with like when you make an album mm-hmm. and you go back and you're listening and listening and and listening to mixes before you want to release and you're like, oh man, like I could have said that or and then. But you have to really just, like I said, swallow your pride for nourishment and, and just say, that was that was made for a reason. Put it, Take the trash out. Mm-hmm. Clear your head so you can make more trash, you know, and then take it out. And, and uh, I think that's a healthy way of just approaching, you know, going in as a songwriter or even a journalist and, and uh, tackling, you know, just flowing and, and then finding or just releasing something and be, be proud of it, yeah. you know. Because there's a lot of stuff that I could have changed or we could have changed on the, on the New York to Mon- Montana album, but... It was it was time for a new record and it was time to put something out and you know I I swallowed my pride I loved it and and that was it you know yeah. people told me no we do this do that and you just kept to voice them out and say I, I enjoy it and that's for me and so yeah. well, there, there's a balance to it all because like you you're never gonna get everything perfect yeah because if if you try and get it so perfect you're never gonna get it fucking released yeah basically yeah, yeah. and sometimes like the you have to just have like the rough edges. Yep. Just to move on to something else, you know. Show show the readers that you're real. Yeah, you know, you got to relate. Yeah, that's why it's like some of these Nashville songs that are coming out that are just so simple and you know corny lyrics, but the masses that we have to understand is kind of dumb. 
Yeah. You know, we as listeners, there's a lot of people out there that just like dumb, dumbed down lyrics. I was talking literally yesterday with uh, Jared Morris. Yep. He was sitting where you are. Yeah. We were talking about, he was saying, we were talking about, uh, he had mentioned something about something for the masses. And I, uh, he said, like, they, they can sniff out uh, some bad stuff. And I said, yeah, they can. But, like, that's usually, like, a person. Um, I don't know if the, the masses, the masses want to be told what they listen to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and there, I don't think there's nothing, anything wrong with it. At one point in my life, I was very hardcore about, like, judgmental on what you listen to, right? Um, but then I realized, like, people like us are the exception. Yeah. We have time to, like, fucking criticize songs <laughs> <Yeah>. and, like, <laughs> yeah. get obsessive and, like, go over the top about music. Because that's what we enjoy doing. Yeah. You know? Uh, most people, though, like, it's... They don't have, like, <laughs> they don't have time to, like invest in uh-huh. listening to somebody's discography yep. today because they don't they have got like a and I say like a quote unquote real job with like they have to they spend 30 minutes in a vehicle and that's their quick like time with they've got um wife and kids they've got like there's so much stuff that eats into their time right yep. and um there's consequences to to if you were if you become obsessive about something like that with a a high maintenance job, you know. Yeah. Um, on the other side, for us though, it's like you do have time to 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 go over the yeah. top with something, yeah. and there's a, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. No, yeah. Um, like, yeah, you have like your own, um, you know, time limits and stuff like that. But if necessary, if necessary, if I said like, hey, this next week. Listen to every Rolling Stones record. You could make time for I it. Could, I could find time. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got, you know, it takes about, what, six hours from Austin to get to Lubbock. You could probably maybe fit all those Rolling Stones records into mm-hmm. that trip, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, there is a, like, I have, I've done the, uh, the discography dive with a lot of different artists, like, that where I'll just, like, listen to that band for like this two weeks and then all of a sudden you're kind of like yeah I think I uh, I think I know what they're trying to do here you know and it that's honestly like my favorite stuff to do is like you kind of I think understand uh, a band better if you listen to everything at once for sure um, you understand I guess like my favorite thing being a journalist is trying to find the um, I guess the why a band did this at a certain time and why that fits within a scene at a certain time and, like, why that was important at this time. And there's a great example for that, uh, which, you know, I'm wearing a Paul Cawthon hat right now, but uh, I I was listening to a lot of Paul Cawthon and, you know, have some funny stories with Paul back in the day over in New Braunfels. But uh, I I was, like, on the way here to Lubbock, I was like, man, I'm going to turn on some Sons of Fathers Mm -hmm. and, and go back into their and see, you know, how did he grow from being a, such a cool sound of, of, of a band, man. They had such a cool thing. And, and then both now David Beck doing the Tejano Weekend and Paul right. Cawthon doing Paul Cawthon. And it's just, you know, you see this time period in a matter of five years of these growths from these artists that branch off. And you go, well, what did you learn? What did you 
take away from that situation and 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 how did you grow from it mm -hmm. and and that's what i really love to you know go back do some homework and, and not study these guys but kind of study these guys right. that you know yeah are hello songwriters you know yeah you're trying to find the uh lacking the word here the um I don't know, like, you're, you're trying to, like, uh, find out, like, w the, I'm going to probably cut this part out here, because I'm, like, blanking. <laughs> Relation. Uh, well, it's the, um, the context. Yeah. Like, you're trying to find, you're trying to contextualize an artist, a song. Yeah. And a, a Even music vocals. scene. You know, yeah, like, on every, like, you, that's what I think, like, that's what my favorite part of this is, like, why did this record come out at this specific time and like why is it important True. why was it overlooked why is it yeah. you know yep. um because i well the sons of fathers i thought like they were going to be like the next band like yeah the, the most like the next most important band yeah and, and those um, songs are just still great yeah. you know and, and will always be be great yeah you know and yeah so yeah such a good that was such a great freaking duo that they had man right but you know, life goes on, and I'm proud of them both now for what they're doing, which yeah. is killer. And now yeah. it leads me to, he introduced me to um, Orville Peck, which is like a, you know, a Roy Orbison sounding gay mm -hmm. cowboy that's just killing it, you know, and, right. and uh, really kind of dove into such a different genre of music that it just is, you know, it's just cool whenever you get to be in this music industry and, and, and around Texas musicians, and, and uh, you can... There's some underground to it, you know, right. for sure. You definitely know the underground, but... One of my favorite guys right now who uh, he's going to get an, a record out this spring is this guy named Logan Ledger. He's from uh, outside San Francisco. He's okay. been living in Nashville for a while now, and his record was produced by uh, T-Bone Burnett. Oh, yeah, excellent. And um, he reminds me... You, you said Roy Oberson. That's why I'm reminded of it. He, he kind of, like, reminds me of, like, Chris Isaac mixed with like old country like george jones kind of love it yeah and all of his stuff is so it's like they they bottled a mood like yep. a certain specific kind of like even like a lana del rey kind of like atmosphere mood kind of yep tone the edison bulb lights on stage and went into like this country kind of george jonesy kind mm -hmm. of feel as well and it is it's just like this and he's got like a fucking great voice hell you know? yeah um what was his name logan ledger logan ledger yeah he cool. put an ep out uh last fall and uh the new record's coming out i, th I think it's just self-titled perfect but uh there's a couple of songs on there um, he released two singles i guess last around this time last year imagine i, th I think there's one called like imagining raindrops and uh can't remember what the other one's called. Starlight. Oh, nice. And okay, dude. They're. I'll show you here in a minute. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, they're they're really good. Badass. So new music right there, folks. <laughs> it's as easy as easy as that. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, Texas. Obviously, the coronavirus pandemic has had a massive impact on the music industry and on our daily lives at large. The Blue Light has been closed for nearly two months now, and if you're like me, you're probably jonesing for some live music, perhaps a Lone Star beer or a round of burn shots from your favorite bartender. If you're truly missing the place, there are two things you can do. For starters, Lubbock songwriter Charlie Stout 
and 49 other songwriters have come together for a 50-song compilation called Monday Night Lights. It's 50 demo-style recordings for $50, where all the proceeds will be going to furloughed bar staff at Blue Light Live. All you have to do is head over to mondaynightlights.com. We'll be getting songs from the likes of Josh Abbott and Wade Bowen and William Clark Green, to up-and-comers like Slade Coulter and Morgan Rutherford, to Blue Light singer-songwriter competition winners like Juliet McConkie, Isaac Hoskins, and Kenneth O'Meara. You'll recognize a whole lot of people on this list. Uh, just too many to name right here. Trust me when I say you will want to get Monday Night Lights. It's just an incredible collection of incredible songwriters. There's also some pretty cool limited edition poster prints that Charlie has for sale on the site where those proceeds will obviously be going to bar staff as well. And we will probably end up having some other cool items listed on mondaynightlights.com as well pretty soon. Again, mondaynightlights.com. We've already raised a good chunk of money so far. We're super proud of how this all came together and proud of how many people have shared the compilation and everything. But as you know, more can always help. And of course, head over to bluelightlubbock.com. Click on the merch tab. They have koozies and t-shirts and caps. I swear, if you put on a blue light cap and a t-shirt, it almost feels like you're there if you close your eyes. Especially if you've already thrown on the Monday Night Lights compilation. Okay, back to the episode. Yeah, what's like the last song you, you wrote? Um, or have been working on? Honestly, I wrote this new one with Marco Gutierrez uh, last week. Um, we've been staying on this 100-acre ranch outside of Austin near Maynard, and um, it's kind of like a little poppy heartbreak song, but has like this Matt Mason feel to it. And so, um, yeah, we just, it's just like, I can't be your lover, I can't be your friend. And um, it just has this real drive of like, almost almost like an interstellar feel, but more of the heartbreak lyrics. Mm -hmm. So, and like I said, we're just trying to dive into that, or I'm trying to dive more into that realm of have like a poppy, happy beat and maybe sing sad lyrics with it you know yeah. change it up a little bit so the last song we wrote last week yeah i think i think we'll just call it i can't be your lover <laughs> yeah yeah you were saying before we were recording you uh mentioned big old whiteboard oh yeah place. We, yeah we had this huge well we still do we have this huge whiteboard and uh so we've been staying up you know it makes it so much easier like like i said when we were just flowing and spitting out lyrics and i'm up there writing or marco's up there writing and and then all of a sudden you can rip off this huge sheet of paper and we've had these <laughs> no, like the big big poster board pretty much and so we're just writing and writing and writing and then well we don't like it we rip that page off so we have huge just chunks of paper laid out in this little living room area but yeah uh, it helps so much like it, unbelievably a lot instead of having a little notepad or people with laptops like i'm more of a guy that likes to write with a with a notebook and pen i've always just been that guy mm -hmm. and and growing up i mean i go back to my parents place in my old room and and the drawers are just stacks of notebooks i mean just stacks and i and i could see the growth of the writing process from when i was 13 to where i am now and it's just so funny i could still go back though yeah and look at some of the notes and just be inspired by some 16 year old kid and find some words that I really enjoyed and, and then throw them in a new song. So it's, yeah, I've always just been old school. I've never been a technical guy with laptops or anything like that. I mean, hell, I just, I know how to barely use my iPhone, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, so like for me, it's way more practical to have stuff written on a laptop. But I do like the, I think there's something 
about like physically writing stuff down. Yeah. Uh, if I get like stuck on stuff, I have like a notebook that, I, like, I'll just, I always have like a notebook recharged just like by my computer, anyways, because you write notes down, right? Or yeah. like words that you want to use. Totally. Uh, one of my favorite things is I have like that. I have a notepad open on my computer too, where I'll think of something for like an article. I don't know what article it's going to be, but I like, Oh, I kind of like the rhythm of like that description. Yeah. And I'll just, I just have it up like in there. So if I like get stuck on something, I'll look at it. Those and it's like like a vinyl. That's that's fucking like the records that you just held in your hand. Yeah. You listen to that record being played and, and what was it? Did Hayes Carl have like a comic, a comic book, uh, in his in his record, like when he opened it up, you could like read this whole comic. I'm not sure while listening while listening to the album, and uh, it's like that's super cool, you know. And and mm-hmm. that's that's that gratifying when you have something and you're listening to it and you're holding it in your hand. It just has some gratifying feeling, and it's just almost with writing your words on paper, you know. Yeah. Because you can the, burn it and and it'll be gone forever. When you listen to the the record with you know the the art. Um. I think it makes it a moment. It makes it something special that is not just, you know, there's there's a big difference b- with getting the record out, putting it down, dropping yeah. the needle yes, exactly. versus like clicking. It's so organic, you know? man. Uh, it and it just makes it a little bit more of a moment. And I think moments are kind of rare. They're know? coming back. Um, well, vinyl's coming back, yeah. which is great. Well, one of my favorite things about vinyl too, though, is. Um, at one point, it was not like this, but like, if you've not been a, with vinyl coming back, and if you've not been around, if you didn't grow up around vinyl, like I didn't grow up around vinyl, yeah, you know, um, there's something like comically big about it, you yeah, know? like it's kind of funny in a way, like this like huge artwork <laughs> and like, you know, especially if there's like lyric notes or like liner notes in there, or if there's like just stuff with it, you know, like that it makes it a little bit more. Uh, it's it's kind of in the comic lyrics, in a way, you, know? you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's always I've always been one of those guys who like loves looking over who's played on this fucking record. Oh, and, like being like, oh yeah, blah blah. He played right. on this record too, you know. Yep. All that kind of stuff. I look at uh, all music way too much. Allmusic.com, like that has like all the everybody who's been on records and shit like that. That's so awesome. Yeah. The so uh, awesome. another great website for that kind of stuff is Discogs.com, and it's like where you can. Uh, you can buy vinyl and you can like catalog your own vinyl as well, which is what I do. But it also like, it's kind of, it's just a really great database where you can like search for somebody and then it'll show you, uh, like, let's just say you, you, um, you search for like some, I don't know, like some, uh, well, even let's go with like Jamie Lynn Wilson. Yeah. Something like easy like that. If she's credited in any, um, harmony vocals, you'll get like all those credits of like all the records that she's been on, you know. Something oh, that's like that, great! Yeah, that's know? awesome. And that's I kind of like doing that kind of shit. I like looking up like, uh, like on all music, um, like songwriters, and seeing like all the the songs that they've been on, or like all the records they've been on, like Dean Dillon. Yeah, and you're, you would be amazed, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, like Dean Dillon, Keith um, Gaddis. Yeah, there's a lot of really great, like, 90s guys and 80s guys who you kind of like, oh, shit, man. Like, he was on, I'm trying to think of what his name is, uh, Dennis Lindy. Uh, he's like, he wrote, 
he's got like this like kind of crazy career because he uh, produced like the the first Mickey Newberry records. Wow. Um, but then he also wrote fucking Goodbye Earl and like John Deere Green by Joe no Diffie. No kidding. Yeah. Oh and my like gosh. Um, a bunch of like really uh, Queen of My Double Wide Trailer, like shit like that. He wrote those songs. But then he also has like this like connection to like one of the greatest like uh, most underrated singer songwriters from Texas, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, which like Mickey Newberry too, like he, uh, people, I think it's like probably more well known now, but he, like he wrote uh, Just Dropped In by Kenny Rogers in the First Dimension, <laughs> you know? And that song, you would not necessarily think about it being like this like song that he would write. Like, yeah, that's super uh, cool. He's got a version out uh, of his, I guess there's a version of his, uh, of that song that he did too. It wasn't on his first record or anything, but it, it's very cosmic country kind of yeah. like, it's, it's just really cool. And, and uh, it makes you it, like the, the, the Kenny Rogers version. Like I always just think of like big Lebowski, obviously. And there is like a little bit more of a fun aspect to it. The Newberry version is a lot more, man, am I fucking going crazy? Yeah. Cause like, and it, it's a little bit more, Checking into that, it's like New, it's New York to Montana, for example. You know, Tom Shepard and I are just completely different styles mm -hmm. of of music, and so he has right. a version of his New York to Montana, and I have mine, and it's his is like a traditional kind of country, and then mine's just like more of rock and kind of right. vibe. So it's just such a great example of what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. Do you have any other examples of that that you like? Where you like the you like the two versions of a song? Yeah, El Cerrito plays by Keith Gaddis yeah. and Kenny Chesney. Yeah. Such cool versions. I mean, uh, Charlie Robinson also has, uh, yeah, has a exactly. version. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, exactly. And I mean, that's a, another great example right there. I love hearing different styles of how different artists. Yeah. And then you hear a song that some artist is singing, and then another artist will go and make it huge. And that's just another fascinating side of things where you're like, man, how, you know, was yeah. it the vocal? How, like, was it how he said it? Or, you know, so it's. Yeah. There's the, uh, um, one of the, my favorite is, uh, Better Boat by Travis Meadows, and the he, Kenny Chesney has a cut of that, and um, like both versions are really really great. But like, obviously, like Kenny's version is a lot more commercial, and Travis's is a lot more fucking like, man, I've, I'm getting up after uh, somebody already like kicked me, <laughs> yeah, and like somebody's kicking me right now again, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, man, that's. There's so many damn great songs out there like that. Oh, so many. That uh, there's the the two great versions, and they're kind of they're different. Um, how was that? How was the? It was great, man. Um, Pat Green, uh, you know, Flatland was out there. Uh, we had a man, hell of a time. Hell of a time. We're going back again next year uh, for 2020 in September, and um, just another great lineup of artists that are on the cruise, and it's just a seven day music fest on on a big cruise ship, you know, yeah, and, uh, just a blast. Just prepare your liver. It's one <laughs> of those. <laughs> yeah. I, I know what you mean. It's a nice transition from steamboat and getting on a cruise ship and now Milo key fest, you know, Milo fest. And, uh, that's yeah. just, I'm more of a, more of a sun guy, you know, more of a sun guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well don't, don't underrate the, 
the being snowblind. Oh I man, mean, that's uh, that's <laughs> where I actually just met so many artists with Steamboat. Really, yeah. Uh, John Michael Whitby was managing me for quite some time, and he plays piano for George Strait and manages an act called Kyle Park, and uh, he he really opened a lot of doors for me and and got me introduced with uh, John Dixon and and uh, past couple of years we were out in Steamboat, and I met you know Shane Smith and and all those guys, and it just became such a Right. You know, we all were in a piled in a van, me, Josh Ward, and Shane Smith, and we, we drove like 22 hours with all of our guitars and gear all over us, just piled up. Me and Bennett are hitting the Franzia bag in the back of the van, and that was whenever they legalized pot for the first time in Colorado. So we were all just yelling at Josh Ward, like, take us to the dispensary, and he's like, fuck no. We're like, come on. He takes us finally. He, he gave in, and yeah, so I mean, you just find, you, you just make relationships with all these great artists out, out there in those kinds of festivals, man. It's it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Franzia bag. That's, uh, <laughs> it's a very specific era in everyone's life. God, right. Oh, uh, man. Talk about a hangover. I had a buddy who, this this is like a fucking old, he had, this is probably 15 years when he said it, but it's always stuck with me. He's like, about how, uh, like, bag wine was better than bottled wine <laughs> and his whole rationale on it was because uh, when like you get ready to go to bed you have a pillow already like <laughs> you just take the bag out <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. that reminds me of the time sleeping <laughs> sleeping in a place talking about being on the road and, and uh, we were up in Yukon Oklahoma and Nathan Cross was like y'all can just stay with us and so we me and Chris Shane my uh, drummer of mine uh the only place for us to sleep was a big water bed <laughs> from the 80s, man. And I'm sleeping, and, and I just roll into freaking Chris while he's snoring his ass off, you know? And I'm just laying here going, man, the, the road life, it's beautiful, man. <laughs> the the water bed, when I, I don't know, I was probably like five or six when I first heard of, like, what a water yeah. bed was. And it was like, Mom, Dad, can I get a water bed? And, like, you're just so disappointed because they're like, no, no, First off, absolutely like, no. They don't make. I don't think they make twin size water beds. <laughs> <No>. but, uh, <laughs> water beds, man. God, yeah. I, is that still a thing? Or I, have, Nathan said he had it since the '80s, so I don't know if he changed the water or not. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it was uh, it was all right. I'm not talking yeah. about a water bed. No, I, I, I'd rather get a Tempur-Pedic. Yeah, to be well, honest, that's a, that's the thing. I think like we've we've evolved enough to realize like. Yeah, there's like these really great mattresses out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should bring it back. You know, like yeah. start a waterbed company. <laughs> Man, so put some fish in it. <laughs> oh God, a waterbed aquarium. Yeah, holy shit, something or another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, shit. Let's go get a beer. Let's do it, man. Good times. Folks, thanks for listening. Be sure to check out New York to Montana by Zach Neintomp. Check out episode sponsors Smith Iron and Design and the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, Texas. Be sure to check out MondayNightLights.com. Okay, I'll see y'all later this week.